0: Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Raising Resilient Teens. My name is Sasha Lester and today I'm joined by Mr. Jim White, all the way on the other side of the world. Jim is an author, coach, and founder of the Family Enrichment Academy. So I'm very excited to learn what that's about later. Jim spent the last 40 plus years studying the topics of personal development, marriage, and parenting, and the last 40 years implementing it all as well. Married for 40 years with six children and 12 grandchildren. I know he's going to bring a wealth of knowledge to the show today. So welcome, Jim. Thank you for joining us
1: absolutely it's my pleasure and looking forward to the conversation
0: to kick us off if you'd like to tell us a little bit about you and um like personal development i love that so we'll we'll touch on that yeah, the Family Enrichment Academy. Let's start. Let's start there and see where the conversation goes.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. And actually, what I might do is just share a little bit of background of how I got here to this point, um, as Absolutely. far as having the Family Enrichment Academy. And and you mentioned a part of it in the introduction. You know, I, as you mentioned, I spent the last forty years studying these topics of personal development, marriage, and um, parenting, and also living out my life um, as a parent and a husband. And I like to use, when I have these conversations, I like to throw out the analogy of a hero's two journeys. Um, and it's, it's one of the themes that I run through a lot of the coaching that I do. I don't know it, if your audience is not familiar with the idea of a hero's two journeys, it's, it's a storytelling technique. And it's used a lot in movies and books and what have you. And the premise is the main character of the story is on two different journeys. The first journey is known as the journey of accomplishment. Um, they have some task or goal that they're trying to accomplish, but then, and, and they have obstacles along the way. And, That makes the story interesting. But what makes the story compelling is the second journey. And what that journey is, it's the journey of fulfillment. And what's happening is that main character is experiencing some kind of an internal transformation. As they're pursuing that goal or task, they're learning new principles, values, and beliefs. or they're discovering stuff about themselves that just make their lives work better. And I like to use that analogy because when I look back at my last 40 years as a parent, I feel like I'm a class classic example of the hero's two journeys. And what I mean by that is, and you can imagine with six children, we had a lot of tasks to accomplish, right? There were places to go, meals to cook, homework to help with. Um, I like to say that we were six kids busy. I mean, there was just always stuff to do. And I can just we had
0: imagine a, the sports afternoons of, of yeah, having exactly. to get them everywhere on time all, mm-hmm. all at once.
1: Yeah, that's right. There was lots, always lots to do. And uh, we had our share of obstacles along the way as well. Well, um, we dealt with everything from you know a missing homework assignment to one of our children struggling with a learning disability, and um, everything from a you know a scraped knee to one of our children, one of our daughters, having some issue with drugs and alcohol. And as you can imagine, over forty years of marriage, you know we've had our fair share of sunny days, but we've also had some cloudy days as well. And and I like to say we've actually experienced like three distinct hurricanes over those forty years where we were really. in a a tough place from a marriage standpoint. But the interesting thing is as I was going through doing all the stuff that a father of six children does, I was also experiencing this amazing internal transformation as well, that second journey. And it was through my interest and passion for personal development, marriage, and parenting. And what it was is I was discovering Uh, principles, values, and beliefs that just made our family work better. Um, And actually, some 40 years ago, or not 40, 20 years ago, I wrote a definition. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever talked or had anybody talk about creating a family mission statement. And it was sort of along those lines where I I wrote this definition of a successful family. And it talked about, you know, that we treat each other with respect. We honor differences. We empower each other. We enjoy being with each other. You know, we have the ability to, to overcome obstacles effectively. And then the key line at the end was that there's a sense of peace, joy, warmth, and love within the home. And that was sort of like a target for us. And that was our, you know, what we were aspiring towards, if you will. And over the years, you know, our family doesn't always look like that, but we, as time went on, we did more often than not and then equally as important as if we started to be off track a little bit and, and struggle some, I had a really good idea of how to lead us back to that target. Yeah. There.
0: So at any one point in time, your family unit of uh, of eight at that point, they right. all knew that that was the end goal. So they're always kind of back to that, that end goal, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a target. And that's the idea of having a mission statement or a vision statement for your family is it gives the – it's sort of a guide. It's like a north star, if you will. It's sort of this thing out there that you can sort of work towards. And um, again, you're, and there's there's going to be gaps. There's going to be time where there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And it's that way in a marriage relationship as well. But you know, and so the premise is to have that out there as something that you can aspire towards. Where I find myself now is, you know, our our youngest child is off in college. And I just have felt a really strong calling to share some of the lessons learned and the wisdom gained over the last 40 years. And so I've formed the Family Enrichment Academy as a vehicle to do that. And I do um, one-on-one coaching. Uh, Last night, in particular, I did a workshop at a local church. Um, I've written a book. And so there's a lot of different vehicles that I use, but the premise is just to be there to support Um, other parents as they're going through their journey and hopefully share some insights and wisdom that can help make their families work better. Um, So that's, that's how I got here. And that's the background for getting here.
0: And has that kind of evolved now that like your kids are past those teenage years and they're leaving the nest and it's like, I'm done. What now?
1: It's interesting. Yeah. It's, we still parent and I will throw Mm. that out for people is that, you know, you will parent and be the parent forever. That never changes. Um, what I find is I have more time and it's just more of a calling at this point in my life it's 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 a passion project it actually has been percolating for me for a long time i mentioned that i wrote that definition like 20 years ago of a successful family and actually i wrote and self-published a book back then as well and it was and so this stuff has been percolating in me for a long time is okay how do i and actually one of the uh, my recommendations as you learn and grow and develop as a person one of the best ways to learn a skill is to try to teach it to somebody else. And your children are a great place to do that. You know, you you obviously teach them um, and, and, and instruct them. And so part of my interest in being able to share what I've learned is it helps me to get it at a deeper level as well. It helps me to really, I mean, if I have to organize my thoughts and be able to write it into a book, it just allows me to get a deeper understanding of the concepts and ideas and the strategies that I'm suggesting to other people. So it's it's kind of a, a, a twofold aspect. It's sharing it, but then also it, it helps me and helps me to evolve and grow as well.
0: So two books or one book that you've written?
1: So there's one published right now, the one okay. for teenagers that I just recently did. Yep. I'm, I'm actually working on bringing back to life. The old one was, to be quite honest, I kind of wrote it for myself. I didn't really write it to publish it. Yep. And um, it was part of my process and my growth and learning process. But I am literally, Working on it right now, and I'm going to go ahead and publish it as well. Um, So it's coming. Another one's coming.
0: So tell us about your book now that's published.
1: Yeah, it's the the title of the book is How to Be the Parent That Your Teenager Needs You to Be. Um, So it's it's all about working with. And it really is very applicable for somebody with a preteen, if you will, you know, that 10, 11, 12 year old as well. Um, So and it's it's directed at that audience. And there's really three fundamental areas that I cover and talk about within the book. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is around the parent and the parent's mindset and sort of working with and helping the parent to develop awareness to be more intentional about where they're coming from as a parent. Um, Is it okay? Can I take a few minutes and kind of explain? I like to encourage parents or I suggest to them that inside of all of us, we have like two competing thought systems or mindsets. One of them is love-based and one of them is fear-based. And in any given moment or interaction, you're either coming from a love-based mindset or a fear-based mindset. And part of being intentional is trying to be aware of when you drift into that fear-based mindset. I'll give an example with a teenager. Um, you know, that teenager gets their driver's license, they get in the car and they drive off for that first time on their own, right? It's natural for us as a parent to start to drift into fear. We're a little afraid, you know, how's it, you know, we don't want them to get hurt. We don't want them to um you know to, to have an accident or to make a bad choice, it's going to affect them. So that it it's natural and we tend to drift towards fear. But the issue is when you drift that way, if you then engage with the teen, it tends to damage the relationship because you're trying to control it a little bit too much. And so part of that initial premise is for the parent to be very aware of that and then be intentional about seeing if they can shift into more of a love-based mindset. And so that's the first component of the book is around that parent being intentional. And then the second fundamental is then is around building connect and how can we build and develop the connection with our teenagers. What happens, and parents with teenagers will tell you this, is they start to feel like there's a distance or a gap between them and their teen. Their teen doesn't talk as much as they used to. They just don't feel as close to them as they did, which if If you think about it, it's a natural part of the process that teenager, they are becoming a self or an independent, self-sufficient person, and they're seeing themselves as independent as well. And so it's natural that that gap starts to, to happen. And so the parent, again, has to be very intentional about closing that gap and building that relationship. Um, and building connection. So that's the, the second part of the book is about strategies and, and, you know, ways that help build that connection or reestablish it with the teenager. And then the third fundamental is around empowerment. And the premise is that there's a natural transition that happens as the child grows into and through their teen years, where the parent has to shift from controlling everything that happens with the child to empowering the child to make their own choices. And there's this transition that happens as they move into their teen years. Um, And so those are the three fundamentals that are really, that's what the book is built around is helping parents in those three different areas.
0: It's really interesting you say that. And i've jotted down those the three step i'm just thinking back to the situation with my son when he was going down the dark rabbit hole of despair as i call it and and it was definitely those three steps like um there was the fear-based mindset from my point of view of when he started doing drugs and started dealing drugs and it was like like i was just fearful of him and for him and you know what was going to happen was i going to get a knock on the door was was he going to die was he going to end up in the in the side streets um you know knocked unconscious and then I was able to move it to a place of coming from from love and I remember my mum said to me you know I actually don't know how you've done it which kind of shocked me because you know a mum to a mum I I kind of thought she would have got it and right and it was it was a case of I I had no option. So I just I just had to love him and know that and fully come from a place of I suppose faith and I held full faith that at the end of the day he was gonna be okay. At the end of the day, he would come back to the family fold. We would be sitting around the dinner table on a Sunday night. Um, eating dinner as a family, communicating, laughing, joking, and there wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be any of the dramas. Um, And so it's really interesting about that first one because I identified that straight up. And then you said the second one of building connections with a teenager. And that was like, it was another red fish to the face type thing. It was like, yes, exactly. Um, And that was the second stage of reconnecting with my son of, you know, I'm still your mum and I still care about you and I just want to know what's happening and now it's great like I can sms him at any point in time and I know he'll reply I can call him when he's out of work and I know he'll answer. Um, he's always dropping around. so. But it's taken a long time because we had two years of not communicating at all. Um, and then the third stage of empowerment, like it, it was he's recently moved back out with his girlfriend, they're living together, and that's the first time he moved out. It was like, you can't move out, you're not ready, you're not cap- you know, all the all the negative. And this time it was, a, you know, you've got this, do you want anything else can i help with anything would you like me to pack a pillow um yeah so you've broken it down which is which is fantastic thank you i've totally hijacked my own podcast um
1: Well, actually, I'll I'll just, can I, can I work with that a little bit? Because that's a a beautiful story. It's, you know, that's a, you know, a wonderful story and it illustrates these, these different stages. And what I would add to that for your listeners is, and you think back and you see if you would, you know, agree or confirm this when you are fear-based and when you're coming from that fearful mindset, the actions that you take, the words that you speak tend to damage the relationship. They break things down. And when you act out, fear, it tends to, again, just break things down. And on the flip side, when you then, if you can make that shift to a love-based mindset, when you act and speak out of love, it tends to heal the relationship. And so that's the one thing I would throw out for your parents to think about is the reason we want to make that shift is because fear always damages or is destructive, and it's the source of pain and suffering in your life and for your teen as well. Whereas love is always heals and is the source of joy and fulfillment with your with your child and so that's one reason and i and you know i'm sure you you probably experienced that a little bit and and then the interesting component is in, in that next phase of building connection you can't effectively build connection if you're coming from a fearful mindset it it's sort of like that that's a prerequisite to building connection as you have to make that shift to be love based and with your son for example it's it's about forgiveness it's about compassion it's about gratitude i mean that's what you have to start feeling yourself up with from a love-based perspective. So then you can go out and engage with him in a way that you can build connection. And one of the reasons that connection component is so important for teenagers is they start to feel disconnected, isolated, alone, not good enough. You know, all that stuff starts coming up for them when they see themselves as separate. And so that connection to the parent is a great way to combat those thoughts and feelings that they're starting to have. And with your son, you know, going down that the rabbit hole, I think you called it, um, you know, that connection is critical to that healing process for him. He has to start to feel connected again. And that's part of his healing process. And then the, the third component, and you you probably experience this ultimately it's up to him you know in in his situation he's the one that has to take responsibility for his actions and an empowerment mindset is there to support them and coach them through making their own decisions and ha- and, and, and sort of training them, if you will, to be responsible and to um, you know take care, you know, deal with consequences that they might have. And and again, you're they're there to support them, but ultimately it's up to them. That's the whole mindset around empowerment is it's theirs to deal with. So um, your story really illustrates that those three different fundamentals very
0: you mentioned um engaging on his level and for me yes I had to engage on his level but I also had to engage with him using the tools that he wanted to use at the time he was on on Snapchat I was having this conversation with him and I said honey I, I don't get it like you're sending you know all these snaps to my daughter Addison and she knows more about your day than I do and he he just turned to me and straight face said mum if you want to know what's going on in my life you have to get on snapchat because I'm not sending double messages I can just send one message on snapchat so that's my plat. happy for you to get on board and I'm like okay don't like snapchat but I guess I'm getting snapchat and it was great like I think it lasted all of about six months the whole snapchat phase for him which was great but I had six months of knowing what he was doing as, all the time. As a result so, of that,
1: right, right. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's that's an example of you being intentional about building that connection and how can I do that and how can I work with them <laughs> rather than the, the flip side would be if you try to control it and say, well, I'm not doing that, you have to call me and tell me and you start being sort of aggressive about it. And you can see how that kind of an attitude is going to break down the relationship. Again, it's that that's creates the breakdown and, and the goal is to build connections. So uh, congratulations to you. That's a, a forward thinking <laughs> parent to be able to go into their world a little bit. Cause sometimes that's what you need to do is go into their world a little bit. And it's not that it's a bad thing. I mean, you, you, you know, you learned a little bit about Snapchat you were able to connect with him and now you guys have that, you know, that connection. So that's good all the way around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thankfully he's come back to the old SMS method. So that's good. Um, yeah. secrets, tips and tricks to getting teenagers to open up and, and converse. I've got none, like off the, off the top of my head, I've really got none. Yeah,
1: it's, um, so the, the, the idea of building connection, that's the a fundamental deal. So, and that's what we've talked about. And so, and in, 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 in my book, I have nine different strategies or approaches that you can take. But again, I encourage, I encourage the parent to be creative, kind of like what you did there with the Snapchat. But um, like one of them, for example, is to find ways to be playful. With your teenager, and so if it's a um, an example I like to use from our family, our youngest daughter loves um, theater and like show tunes, um, you know, musical theater. And my wife and her will flip on the soundtrack from Hamilton or Les Mis or something like that, and they just start singing together. And so it becomes them, and they, you know, they act out stuff, and they, you know, they're just being playful together in those moments. And it's not like they have to say anything to each other. It's just they're being together. And that's a form of building connection. You know, connection is foundational. It's a, you're building towards something. And that's another thing I would throw out is um, I like to use the analogy It's kind of like a health and wellness program. I mean, if you decide today, I want to become healthier. And so today better. And you go to the gym for an hour. When you get to the end of the day, if you look in the mirror, you're not necessarily going to notice any difference in one day. You it, The key is consistent. <laughs> Consistent, yeah, exactly. It should work that way, right? I know, right? But if you do that consistently for thirty days, you will notice a difference at the end. Well, these strategies for building connection are very similar. You know, you you need to invest in them consistently over time, and then you'll start to see that teen open up a little bit more and feel more connected with you. So it, it I you need like I say, I just like to encourage parents to make that investment. So anyway, being playful is one. Another big one that sometimes parents struggle with is the idea of being present. And in today's world, it's easy for the parent to be on looking at their phone or dealing with emails. You know, a lot of people work from home now. So there's always something going on. And when the teenager comes in and if they're ready to talk, if you're not present and don't stop what you're doing and turn and focus your attention on them, they will then say, well, I guess it doesn't work to talk to mom or dad and they won't try anymore. Right. So you've you've damaged that relationship rather than building. But if you do turn and focus and stay present with them that builds that relationship so that's another example of something that you can do there's With that yeah. one
0: there's um yeah. i've got an example to throw in there the um my daughter and i've just come back from a sailing regatta up north it wasn't the most pleasant of experiences for her and we were coming back from a dinner one night and and i could see she was upset and i'm like honey what's wrong she's like nothing 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 i'm like well i can see something's not right so right let it all out And once she started, like we were still driving and. And I remember, like, I pulled into the park and I'm like, and she's still chatting and she's crying and she's talking, she's getting frustrated. She's getting it all out. I'm like, oh, no, I can't park in this park. I don't know whether I didn't or couldn't actually park in that park because they were really tight parks or whether it was me using a technique that I used to use um, when I picked them up week on, week off. I would just drive until they got all their conversations out. And I ended up, I think I pulled into, like, three parks going, no, I can't do this, and and i drove around and i went to a totally different basement parked it was still tight as and she's like oh okay well, let's go and i'm like no no no, we're not finished you're not happy like you haven't got it all out of the cars just parked so like let's just finish um i think that's probably just one of our tools that we've had for a long time of, of driving until it's all out and all finished right
1: and, and I'll, I'll tag on that too and I, I love your description of it all being out um there's two things i would throw out for parents that can when this happens because the teen's ready to talk and they start talking. Again, our role in that moment is just to listen and to be there. And a lot of times what parents will do, and this is maybe a little bit more common with men than women, not to be stereotypical, but sometimes men will do this more, is we want to start fixing the issue or we want to start offering advice to them. And That's exactly what I've
0: just written down. Like We kind of morph into wanting to solve the problem rather than just listen i think that's exactly and that and that's
1: and so we really have to resist the urge to fix the problem at that moment and I'll, i'll add to that as to why that's the case um in, in your example, your daughter had a lot of negative energy or negative emotion that she was experiencing. And your analogy of letting her get it out is perfect because what I tell parents is your, only, your primary role in those moments is to be a safe place where they can let that negative energy dissipate. It can get it. You use the word get out, you know, get it out. I like to use the word dissipate or, or to go away. And that's the only job at that moment is to be a safe place for that to happen. You know, and and as you said, too, being sure that you, get, you know, get all the way to that point to where now they feel sort of, they've sort of regrouped, if you will. They have regained their composure, if you will. And the interesting thing is you can't offer advice or empower them or hope to influence them until all of that negative energy is gone. So that's why I say don't start offering advice too early because it's not time for that. The time for that will come, but it's gonna be later on once they've regained their composure. And it could be a day later, it might be a week later, who knows how long it's gonna be. Part of your role as a parent is to recognize, okay, negative energy, they're upset. I'm just here to be present, to listen and to be a safe place for that to be dissipated. Once you recognize, okay, that seems, they seem like they've regained their composure. Now we can shift mode into more of an empowerment conversation. Okay. What do, what do we do different next time? How, you know, what, how can we make this work better for you going forward? You know, you can shift mode once that energy is dissipated. So um, the um Act of listening back to the original comment, the act of listening builds connection. You become a trusted safe place for them to talk when you do that effectively. And so that's what I'm saying. That builds connect, which is awesome. Because then the next time they're going to be much more willing to open up and and share, which is what we want. You know, we want them to have that safe.
0: I remember my son, he he rang me up one day and he's he's been very self-sufficient for a very long time. And he said, oh, mum, what's the number to the dentist? I have to go to the dentist. And I said, oh, no worries, darling. I'll um, I'll book you in. When can you go? And he said, I don't want you to solve the problem. I just want the phone number. I can do it myself. And I'm like, good
1: for him. Yep.
0: <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was a lesson for me as well. It's like, okay, yep, you can do it. And now when he asks me for stuff, I just automatically go to the this is what you need to do, these are the numbers you can call. Right. Let me know if you want me to do it. But he never comes back. So that's you know, it's always Well, good.
1: and it's it's interesting that you use that example in, in some of the work I've done with parents. You know, I mentioned this idea of relinquishing control and starting to shift to more of an empowerment approach with your with your teenager. One of my suggestions to help to start to accomplish that is when the team starts to drive, turn over the responsibility for making their dentist appointment I use that specific example to them. Say, okay, here's the dentist number. It's up to you. You you call them. You schedule it. Um, You're going to get yourself there because you can drive now. And and that's a way of of turning some of that over to them. And it's very empowering to the team because they start to feel and and they build it builds confidence for them. You want them to learn to be able to solve problems and be resourceful. I like to use that word. You know, you want to help them to develop resourcefulness when they're you know working under your roof, so that when they are 25 or 30. They've already developed that skill. And so, you know, start turning over stuff like the dentist appointment to them earlier rather than later as a way to help them to develop that skill to be resourced, which it sounds like your son that has that he's developed.
0: He's got it. And I was told you mentioned on your website, because I did a bit of um, ASIO and, and investigating all the trials and tribulations that you and your wife have been through and you've mentioned it earlier like the lost homework the learning disability drugs and alcohol multiple car accidents and bankruptcy, like you've had it all, and you also mentioned earlier the three distinct hurricanes, and I'm assuming that's not in the literal case. Can you ex- explain in detail one or all three of those that you went through?
1: Well, um, yeah, it's probably the most recent um, would be the the one that maybe is most pertinent here. Is that you know in all married, you're talking about the marriage hurricanes, right? That's what you, yeah, and it's just difficult times, and in all marriages go through those periods, and it's typically brought on by outside circumstances that create a challenge. And then it's then how do you deal with that? And then that stress creates an issue within the relationship. And what had happened, this goes back, it was in the 2008, 2009 timeframe for us. You guys, it's different for you over there, but basically I had a business that um, we had some shifts in the political environment and it was around healthcare that basically that business went away. And so I found myself pretty far down my career. Career path, But yet, OK, I got to start over. And it was just it was a stressful time for, for us. And we had some financial issues, as you can imagine, during that time, because, you know, like, say, my business went away and it was it took a couple, three years to work through that for me. And it was it was, again, twofold, threefold. Maybe you could say, you know, it's it's about me uh, rediscovering from a, just a, a business and work and career standpoint what I was going to do. But then that, you know, pulled my attention, if you will, away from the marriage relationship. Relationship and it that stress had me respond in ways that weren't productive for the marriage relationship. Um, so that's one thing there. But and then again, the financial component of it. You know, when you're when you're stressed financially, again, that can cause some some difficulty within the the marriage relationship as well. And you know, so it's just that was the sort of the what caused it. And it was working our way through that, and um, you know, being able to still be love based. And you know, if you think about, it, fear starts to creep in there quite a bit it's you know are we you know am i ever going to get something that works for me or you know are we going to get back to a point to where we feel you know, comfortable financially. You know, there's just a lot of fear that starts to creep up. And that's when it damages connect. And so, and sometimes as you go through those, and it's interesting too, and I'll I'll use the analogy of like a health and wellness journey. You know, sometimes people want to get healthier. One day they end up in the hospital having a heart attack. And it's amazing how motivated they can get when that happens. And the same thing sort of happened for us as we went through that. At some point it's like, okay, you know, we got to do something here to make this work. It's either got to get better. That's why I said it was a hurricane we we got to the point it was like okay we either are going to come together and make this work or we should we we aren't kind of a thing and it's you know you finally get to that point you know we've always been committed to make the relationship work so obviously we did and and worked our way through that and found ways to reconnect as a couple as we went through that so I don't know if that is helpful
0: no that's great and I think you know everyone go through hurricanes at some point in time absolutely you know how people work through them so and and it's always interesting, and I think people get tips and tricks about le- learning from other people. Um, I'm a big believer that children are our greatest teachers, and with six children and twelve grandchildren, what are some of the lessons that you've learned? Yeah,
1: and it, and it's it's they put you in positions where you can learn and grow. Um, I'll use a specific example from, um, and actually, it's one of the stories that's within the book. So, my um, second child is a daughter who uh, was a soccer and it it was a fairly accomplished soccer. And the way the story goes, she was probably preteen or teens, probably 12, 13 years old or so. And she had, we had been to a game. The game didn't go so well, especially for her. She didn't play really well. And so her and I are in the car driving home from the game. And for whatever reason, I slipped into the mode of trying to coach her, you know, this is what you ought to do, you know, know, starting to offer a lot of advice. About soccer and all that sort of thing, and it's it's back to your example. You know, she was upset. She knew she didn't play well. She was upset. What she needed was for me just to be present and be at that safe place. And I had shifted into advise mode. And it's interesting because she
0: from the mindset coach or from the soccer coach.
1: Well, pardon. Say that again. Did you
0: you say you said that you slipped into like the coach and advisor type mode. Was that the soccer coach or was that the the mindset coach? The, the
1: soccer field? coach. Really? Right. Was kind of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was wanting to advise her on how to play better soccer and, yeah. and, you know, and where she wanted me just to be there and listen. And where I was heading was, unfortunately, our relationship, there was a strong enough connection there. She literally said to me, can you just be my dad right now? Aww. It's kind of like that wake up call. You know, you were talking about yeah. how do they teach you? And it was like, oh, wait a minute. She's got a point. I mean, yeah. I, I should just be her dad right now. And, um, you know, just be there and like what you had done with your daughter, just be present again be that safe place let her to process that negative energy because she was frustrated with herself. Or I mean, she didn't need me to tell her, right? Yeah, she, she did. Right, exactly. That's an example of if you listen to your children, they can um, sometimes impart wisdom. I'll, I'll give you, so that's one story. I'll give you another something that I like to share with parents because sometimes parents will come and say, you know, my teenager, they just give me those one word answers. It's fine, okay. That, you know, it's just that short one word answer. And what ooh, I- get the ooh. Yeah, exactly. And so what I encourage parents, it's a perspective shift. I say that is a gift for you. And the reason it's a gift is because it's a signal or a symptom that you need to build connection. That's how you know that the connection is not strong enough, because if they had if that connection was strong, they would open up more and you would you wouldn't feel like that was, you know, you wouldn't feel that as being a sort of a dig, if you will, or a negative. And so those it's it's a way and you can in the teenager, this is the other I mentioned the heroes too journeys. And I really encourage parents to think about this as a journey. And you kind of mentioned that because your teenager is evolving and growing immensely through those years. Right. And so your 13 year old son, where they are and what they're going through, they could find themselves in a good place and they could have a three month period where things are going pretty good. You feel connected. There's it's, it's all good. Right. And then something could happen. And then who knows what it is. Maybe it's a, a something that happens with a friend group or, um, an example from from our life, our um, oldest son played baseball and his junior year, he got cut from the baseball team. So that was a blow to him. And the point is, that was part of his baseball. Yeah, baseball is big. So, it, it, you know, it'd be like if you have soccer over there, you know, he's playing high school. He plays on the freshman team, but didn't, you know, didn't make the varsity team, you know, the, the first team and got cut, which for him was a blow. And my point is that set him back. That's part of his journey. But as a parent, then that puts you in a different position you now have a new situation or issue to deal with that you've never dealt with before, right? We've never had that happen before. And so it's ever-changing, ever-evolving. Another interesting one for uh, parents with multiple children, and you may have experienced this some, it, and we had it multiple times because we have six children, is when our first oldest son left the house, went off to college, the di- the dynamics within the house changed because he wasn't there anymore. And it's oh, a new environment. The
0: dynamics change when the- they leave and then when they um, come back, when they come home again. Yep.
1: Exactly. And then when the second one left, dynamics change again. So the point is, it's ever evolving, ever changing. And as a parent, we have to continue to grow and learn and develop as well. We're on the journey with the children. And that's why I like to use that idea of a heroes to journey is that, you know, and you can always grow and learn and develop. And it's it's a tremendous opportunity for the parent to grow and learn as well. um, As you go through and face these challenges and issues that are going to come up, they come up for everybody.
0: On your website, which I'll put all the links in the comments, um, for everyone to see you've got some amazing blogs on there covering a whole range of topics what would you say is the number one or up there with the number ones the issues that are presenting themselves to you from parents
1: i think that the biggest struggle and i, I mentioned it what happens the, the way the symptom is that parent's feel disconnected and they feel like they're at odds or in sometimes literally fighting with their their teenagers. There's this conflict within the home around the teenager. Um, and that's probably the most common thing that where people come to me and it's like, you know, I, I just wish we could be more connected and on the same page and we didn't have these. And, and actually the subtitle to my book is without all the fighting, frustration or fear of doing it wrong, because that's just a lot of what happened. And the, the, the simple answer is think back. It's, that shift from control all those conflicts are happening as the parent is sort of overextending their need and their want to control what's going on and the teenager wanting to take control of their own life those two things are at odds and so this and that's why part of the solution is for the parent to start to shift into more of an empowerment mindset and turn over some of that control to the teen and and I would say to your parents it's it's a continuum so if you got a 12 13 year old let's say Maybe, you know, 75% of what happens in their life, you still are in control of and you start turning over some things you turn over 20, 25% of the stuff to them. Um, And maybe some of that is Maybe they start doing their own laundry. Maybe they start um, taking more responsibility and deciding about their homework and their schoolwork, for example. As that child grows, when they're 15, 16, maybe it's 50-50. You've turned over more control to them, which means you have your, your empowerment, uh, you know, in more of the aspects of their life and they're, you know, they're in control of more of it. By the time they're 18, it should be 80-20, you know, where they're controlling 80%. And you may still in who knows at, at that age, maybe you can turn over all of the control control. control to them. Because ultimately that's where you want to get to, right? You want to get them launched out into the world as adults where they don't, you know, they are in charge of their own life. You know, they're, they take responsibility for it. And so that's back to your original question. That's where a lot of the conflict arises is, is in that control battle in that shifting of that responsibility from the parent to the teen.
0: Do you think that letting go is is hard because parents, um, parents they just want to keep their children as children and, you know, we want to help them as much and do things for them as much as we can for as long as we can, but it's actually being detrimental to them later on if we're not encouraging them or empowering them to do it themselves? And,
1: you know, it's interesting. I think there's a couple aspects. One is, as a parent, um, we get fearful. It's that fearful mindset. We want to protect and we feel like if we can step in and control, we'll be able to protect them from bad things happening. And um, and I will throw out that sometimes bad things need to happen. And, and one of the sort of re- skills that that teen can learn is the ability to be re- um, resilient, you know, to be able to overcome a difficulty and an obstacle and have the confidence to be resilient. And the only way you can do that is if you fully experience that difficulty and that pain. And it's, it's like our, I mentioned our son going through, he got cut from the baseball team. That was painful for him. And, you know, the protective over controlling parent would have been on the phone to the coach, trying to talk to coach into keeping him, you know, doing all this kind of stuff where that's, he needed to go through that and he needed to sort that out for himself. And that serves him long-term when he does that. So I think that's a piece of it is the parent wants to protect. But I think then another important part is sometimes a parent doesn't know what to do as an alternative. they, you know, maybe they haven't thought about the idea of empowerment as the alternative. Um, you know, sometimes the parent will say, you know, if I turn over, it's, it's, they almost feel like, well, if I just say it's off me, and it's on them, they're never going to get it right. It's like they're completely hands-off. And that's not what I'm saying. Our role is to be there in support of them and to empower them, which you, it's a different role and it's a different skill set. And I think sometimes what it is is parents just aren't comfortable in that role because they haven't explored it and tried to develop those skills. And that's why I say it's a journey. It's a learning experience um, in, in for the parent to become able to be a source of empowerment for that child. And like I say how it's different is, you know, you like I'll use the example of our son when he got cut from the baseball team, you know, it's the idea of being compassionate, being there with, him, and then asking him questions. Coaching and empowerment is a lot about questions. So that's what you do. It's open-ended questions a lot of the time. you know, what are you going to do about this? What would you like to do next? You ask that question, let the team process it and come up with an answer. Um, you might say, if they get stuck a little bit, let's say, well, I, you know, I don't know, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. You ask a question, well, how else could you look at this situation if you looked at it from a, like we said, love based uh, framework, what would it look like? You ask that question, let them process it. Um, so it's all about asking questions, cause the teen to think and process and start to develop their own solutions. That's what you're doing. So it's not that you just leave them hanging. You're there in support and helping them to develop solutions. And then if you got a good connection with them, you may start to get to a point where you say they really struggle and they haven't come up with a solution. Interesting from an empowerment coaching perspective, the next step is I will say, would it be okay if I shared some of my ideas? In other words, I ask permission to share some of my thoughts and they may say, no, let me think about it for a little bit more. And again, as a parent and I got to back away and say, okay, let's let them think about it for a day or two. Or they might say, yeah, what do you think? And when they invite you in, then you can share some of your thoughts and ideas. But that's, again, that's that. And those are skills in the book. And it's part of what I coach parents on is how do we develop our ability to be a source of empowerment? What are those skills? What do they look, you know, to be able to do that? So
0: I think that question of from the children, oh, what do you think? I know that my daughter says that quite frequently. She says it at the start. And for me, it's a case of I've got my views, but how about you have a think about it and you figure it out. And yeah. then let's go from there. So those questions of, "Oh, what do you think? What do you think I should do?" Um, they they're good at the end after that thought process has happened, but at the start, it's like you haven't even you haven't even tried on this right. one. So
1: right, um, let them let them process. And yeah, and, and I always tell parents too. Sometimes things have to percolate. I like to use percolate or process for days. I mean, asking an open ended question. You know, what would you think is the best thing to do? They it may take that im a week to sort that out. And you got to be patient and let that happen. And it's it's sometimes it'll come in a flash, you know, it's like an insight will just come to them. Ah, oh, this is it. This is what I and it, but that could be three days later. Mm. And it's 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 amazing how the mind works. And that question sits there and lingers with them, and a, a solution will come to them. Um, and then another thing that it, the empowerment approach is let's say they get a little stuck, you know. You say, Well, you know, where who could you talk to about this that might be able to help you, give you some insight? Let them Start to be resourceful. Who who can I go to? Where could you go look for some answers, or how could you find out more about this? You know, again, you don't give it to them. You you pose those questions and let them then go do some research. Or let them go seek out an advisor um, because you again you're wanting to teach them to be resourceful. So when they're 30, they know how to do that, right? And they have the mm. confidence and the self confidence enough to be able to do that. That's how empowerment's different. Which back to your original question, that's where I think sometimes parents just don't they aren't as aware of of how that works and what it looks like and so they just don't know, they don't know that that's an option
0: Running out of time and I feel like I could talk and just keep going with the conversation um quick one to wrap up one bit of magical golden nugget advice that you can give parents of teenagers
1: the okay one bit of magical advice golden I would say nugget. well here here's what I would here okay here's what I would throw out the idea and you may be familiar with the idea of a growth mindset yep, as a parent said. as a parent if you if there's nothing else you do if you can open yourself up to the possibility of growth and development for yourself that is going to take you miles, miles down the road. Because if you think about it, if you don't have that, if you aren't open to grow and learn and develop, you kind of get stuck where you are in the same issues and cycles are just going to sit there and repeat. And the the hope comes and you think about it, it's awesome. If, if you can grow and learn, that's what creates hope, right? Because there's always an opportunity to do it different tomorrow and to evolve tomorrow. And I would say that with, with parents out there that no matter how damaged and how disrupt your relationship with your teen and maybe how much difficulties going on in your home there is love can always heal and it brings hope and you just have to open up to that possibility by adopting that growth mindset and step into it and it's transformative it's it's just amazing what you can do if you do fully engage and 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 step into it
0: thank you jim i will put all your links to your socials and your website in the comment um thank you so much for your time i i feel like an hour is not long enough for our podcast interviews anymore um Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao.